Right? Let's turn in our Bibles to John. John. And actually, uh, what I will do is something a little different. Um, I'll have this section here turn to John 20, verse 29. The middle section turn to John eleven sixteen. And then this section here turn to John 14, 6. So John 20, verse 29 on this side. John eleven sixteen on this side. And then John 14, 6 on this side. <clears throat> I want to thank all the parents for, um, for the amount of trust you put in the assistant pastors. Especially, I, I'm honored by the fact that you allow your teens to even uh, be in our Sunday school. Uh, I've had the privilege of teaching your teens and we've gone through a series where we talked about the disciples. And we're going to talk about a disciple. Surprisingly, it's not going to be John. But it is going to be a disciple that you may have heard of before. I titled the message, Doubting Christians. All right? So if, you, if this section here is in John 20, verse 29, let's hear it. Read uh, let, me, let me be with you, actually. <laughs> let me go there with you. John 20, verse 29, <clears throat> and let's read it all together in this section here. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. All right? And those who are in John 11, verse 6, let me turn there. Hang on a moment. And, sorry, was that? Sorry, yes, John 11, verse 16. I have it written down here, but I read it wrong. Excuse me. All right, John 11, verse 16, it says, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. All right? And those who are in John 14, verse 6, Let's read it all together. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you haven't figured out who this disciple we're going to be talking about today, it's Thomas. Thomas, also known as Doubting Thomas. But before we keep going, let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the life of Thomas and I pray, Father, that from the things that, we, that he has laid out in his, in his life and how John talks about him, we pray that you would, you would really speak to us and how you use Thomas's life as, uh, as a disciple and how you've used him and the traits that, you, that we find when we read about him. We pray, Father, that as Christians here today, that we would be able to glean from his life as well. We pray, Father, that uh, you would speak through me and that uh, the Holy Spirit would take, take hold of this, uh, of this message and that it would be clearly communicated to every person's heart today. I pray and thank you, Lord, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genuine faith has a basis. Genuine faith is unstoppable. 
There are many words to describe a person, and honestly, doubting is one of the worst ways you can, uh, that you can ever really describe someone. And we know Thomas in a way where we say, oh, this is Doubting Thomas. That's the nickname that we've, we've given him. And you've heard of the story, I'm sure. The resurrection took place, and all the disciples were gathered together on the first day of the week. It was a Sunday, and all the disciples were there except for Thomas. And everyone was telling him after the service, well, Thomas, we saw Jesus. And as you remember, he said, I don't believe you. Basically, what he said was, I don't believe you. And he asked that he would see the prints on Jesus' hands, and he would see the wound on his side. That's what Thomas asked, right? And now we as Christians, we have the hindsight, and we see back at that story, and we have given him that nickname, Doubting Thomas. But I'd like to suggest to you that he is way more relatable than we actually think especially as Christians today, in this modern day and age. And I'm going to point out a few things, but Thomas, he, he may have been doubtful. Some Christians have nicknamed him maybe even as a pessimistic Thomas, or a brooding Thomas, or melancholic Thomas. Apparently he shows, up, shows off these character traits. But usually, I want to point out that usually doubt is fueled by a desire to be sure of something. Let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted to be sure of something? Have you ever wanted to be sure that your check got cashed? Right? You want to be sure. You want to be sure. And Thomas, the desire for why he asked his questions was, uh, was fueled by a desire and a longing to be sure about something. He wanted to be sure. I believe that Thomas actually demonstrated many good traits that every Christian should start showing. And we're going to take a look at some of those traits. But in the three little things that we looked at today, uh, looked at just now, in John 20, John 11, and John 14, Thomas is there, and Thomas asked questions. In the three Gospels, I don't know if you know about this, but Thomas is only mentioned throughout a list. Right? You go through the list of the apostles, you go through the list of the disciples. Thomas is only mentioned in a list. So the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, only mention Thomas in a list. But John is the only one who actually bothers talking about Thomas's life, or what at least Thomas did. You ever asked yourself, why is that? Why, did John, why is John the only one who ever did that? One of the themes that we find out when we read the book of John is that John had two main themes. The, one of the biggest themes that we know about John is he wrote about love, right? For God so loved the world. John wrote a lot about love. But the second theme that John always wrote about, and I'll have you turn here to John, go to John chapter 20. Everyone in John 20. Go to chapter 20 and verse 31. It was after John had wrote basically his whole gospel, his whole book he's written. And finally he tells you 
Why did he even bother writing all of this? Why did John write his version of this gospel? In verse 31 it says, But these are written that ye might believe. That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So why did, why did John write his gospel? That we might believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ. So why did John decide to elaborate on Thomas? You see, all his questions were leading to that one theme, belief. All right? So the moment Thomas saw Jesus Christ, I believe that Thomas's faith became a genuine faith. I think that Christians today need to start showing genuine faith. All right? So let me ask you this. Does your faith have a basis? When it comes to your genuine faith, does your faith have a basis? And this uh, question may seem kind of odd to you. Why is uh, Pastor Devin asking me this? Like, of course my faith has basis. It's based on Jesus Christ. Of course. But... I'm asking you something a little more different. What are the evidences? Thomas's life teaches us that a good basis requires three types of evidences. And we're going to take a look into that. The first one, the first evidence is fact. Just the simple hard fact. Okay? Thomas struggled with understanding who Jesus was. And all the times where Thomas appears, it is concerning the death, of, uh, death or the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Whenever, uh, in fact, when he was even nicknamed Doubting Thomas, it was after the resurrection, right? So if you are there, uh, is everyone in John 20? Yeah, John 20 and verse, uh, excuse me, let me see here. John 20 and verse 29. Sorry, no, John 11, John 11, John 11 and verse 8. Here we have the story of somebody else's resurrection. We have the resurrection of Lazarus, right? Lazarus came back and what they were, uh, where they were or where they had to go was to Bethany. Jesus was coming to Bethany where Lazarus was buried. The disciples were not sure if that was actually a good idea. Now, if I may uh, show it to you or try to illustrate it to you, Bethany was close by to Jerusalem, right? And now Jesus, he was already hated by the Pharisees. He was hated by a lot of Jews. And they wanted to stone him. In fact, when you see it in verse 8 there, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Now who's doubting? All the disciples are doubting. But in verse 16, if you jump down, who is the one who ends up answering properly? Thomas. Of all the people who was doubting, Thomas is the man who ended up saying, all right, well, let's test this. Let's go, and if we die, we die. Okay? 
See, this isn't Thomas the pessimist. When you read it here in verse uh, number 16, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples, let us, also, let us also go that we may die with him. This is not Thomas being like, okay, well, I guess uh, we chose the wrong, uh, wrong thing to do. We chose the wrong uh, person to follow. I guess we're going to die now. That's not what Thomas is trying to say here. Saying if we die, we die. But Thomas was willing to put his faith or put his mouth where his faith was. He was willing to put his money where his mouth was. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay? This is Thomas who was willing to believe Jesus. He was willing to put his own life at risk to see what will happen. So, another, uh, another verse I want you to turn to, and you know this one, John 14, 6. But I want to start at, in verse 5 here. John 14, verse 5 and 6. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, whenever that question comes up, whenever you're soul winning, whenever you're talking to someone, is there any other way? Is there any other way to God? No. No, Jesus is the only way. Everyone that wants to get to the Father have to go through Jesus Christ, right? But Jesus didn't just stop there. He went three steps ahead, so to speak. He even said, well, he even answered the question, is there any other truth that God had revealed to man? Answer is no. Because Jesus is the truth. Other than him, everything else is a lie. Jesus is the only truth necessary for salvation. Is there a life that can be lived outside of Christ's? And the answer again is still no. Because the life that Christ lives is the only life that glorifies God. Jesus gave a threefold answer to Thomas. And he basically shut down Thomas if, he, if Thomas had any doubts. Right? So you see now that Thomas was driven by facts. And the faith that Thomas started to grow was a genuine faith because there was facts all along the way. You're following me now? <laughs> sort of? Okay. Another thing, another evidence that Thomas had a basis on was his demonstrated performance. Let me elaborate. Thomas believed the facts and he believed it when it came from Christ. Okay? In John 11, you don't have to turn there. When the other disciples doubted, Thomas was willing to prove what Christ had said by telling the other disciples, let us go. Right? The other disciples were thinking, uh, Jesus, you're going to go down to Bethany. They're going to stone you and uh, we're all going to be dead. Thomas is like, you know what? If we're going to die, we're going to die. God is in control of this whole situation. So let's go and let's follow. And if we die, we die. Thomas was willing to put his own faith in what Jesus had said because he believed the facts. You saw he believed the facts. Now he's willing to put the effort into going through with it. All right? And here's the thing. 
we can't really call him Doubting Thomas when you see these things. Because if you think about it, we struggle every day with doubts. We struggle every day with them. Whenever we have a decision to make, other deci the decisions that we end up going with means that the other decisions may have had doubts. Thomas was willing to put his money where his mouth was. He just needed to be sure, right? Once Thomas was sure, he demonstrated it with his life. If you haven't tried your faith, I suggest you try it today. And here's a one way you can try your faith. Serve God. Really, serve God when you come to church. Serve God when you are going through life. Do you worship Him? Do you serve Him with every part of your life? Because trials will come. And that will grow your faith. Those who have served God before know the feeling. Anyone here, if you've never served God before, you can ask someone who, who you know has served God and you can ask them how their faith has been tried. Because as soon as you start serving God, the devil wants to shut you down. And as soon as the devil wants to shut you down, your faith is getting tried. Right? And when this happens, when, when it happened for Thomas, he was willing to put his faith where the facts were. Okay? Thomas put the money where his mouth was. He believed it, and so he acted on it. Something to know about Thomas, we don't know after what happened with his life. But there, there's been all kinds of different research done on his life. And who here has heard of uh, Josh McDowell? Anyone here heard of Josh McDowell? How about Sean McDowell? His son, right? Josh McDowell, he was a famous apologist. He worked, in, uh, he worked with uh, Biola University. Sean McDowell now teaches in Biola University. He researched the life uh, this is Sean McDowell. He researched the life of the apostles. And he concluded this about the life of Thomas. Early church writings cons consistently link Thomas to India and to Parthia. Hmm? Three points stand out regarding their witness to Thomas. First, the testimony that he went to India is unanimous, consistent, and reasonably early. Second, we have no contradictory evidence stating that Thomas did not go to India. Third, the fathers both in East and West confirmed the tradition. Since the beginning of the third century, it has become an almost undisputable tradition that Thomas ministered in India. In addition to the traditions about Thomas in India, there is additional evidence that Christianity made it to India by at least the second century, if not earlier. While the evidence is not conclusive, a few reasons seem to indicate that it is at least probable that Thomas ministered in India. First, we have no doubt a mission from Jerusalem to Rome was physically possible in the first century. Second, Thomas had seen the risen Jesus. He was zealous in his willingness to suffer and to die for him. He had received the missionary call from Jesus, and given all we know of him, fits the profile of someone who would partake of such an endeavor. While the case for Thomas in India was more provisional than for Peter and Paul in Rome, it does seem more probable than not, than not that he ministered in India. 
If you know the end of the story, what happened with Thomas is that he ended up getting beheaded in India. I don't know if you've ever talked or tried to soul win with somebody who follows a religion that was born in India. Usually, the outcome is that, oh, you may have your way of going to heaven. I have mine. But it's interesting how Jesus gave the answer to Thomas specifically. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Isn't it interesting that Jesus shut down any other way to heaven other than himself when he knew, Jesus probably knew that Thomas was going to go to India? I find that interesting. But Thomas was right there and he bothered asking. And now we have that verse. Once Thomas knew the facts, he acted upon them. So now Christians, let me ask you something. You know the facts. Now it's time to act on them. Right? One last thing about Thomas's genuine faith. His genuine faith had this last basis. The testimony of thousands. So he believed the facts. He demonstrated on them. He acted upon them, I mean. And then there was a testimony. And this not only applied to Thomas, but it also applied to every single, or most, I would say, I don't know every single, but the first century Christians were known for this. It was their willingness to prioritize that which Christ had said. Some were even willing to die for it. The Christians of the first century, Thomas, he failed on this one. He forgot to prioritize Jesus Christ. And this is why he has the title of Doubting Thomas. Because he forgot to prioritize Jesus Christ. You do understand that when every other disciple found out that Jesus had risen, that they prioritized to be there to meet Jesus. But Thomas, on his proverbial calendar, forgot to place it and to show up to church. See, perhaps this has happened to you. You walked in a dollar store and you wanted to buy something. We're talking the dollar store here. We're not talking superstore or anything like that. Go to the dollar store. Usually it's something you want to buy that's, you know, fairly cheap. So you go, you find it, and you're heading towards the cashier. Okay? And as you're going towards the cashier, you notice there's a maze now. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's a maze going towards the cashier. The shelves have been placed in a certain way, right, that lead to the cashier. And what are on those shelves? Candy, maybe batteries, chocolate, gum, you know, maybe some cheap perfume. Um, Listerine, I don't know. But have you noticed that those are things that you didn't really prioritize that you would need at first when you walked in? But now, because it's there, because, you know, it's cheap, you don't have to put that much effort into buying it. Just grab it, 
and you're so close to the cashier, it's not worth putting back down, right? So you hold on to it, you buy it, and you go on with your day. Believe it or not, a lot of people treat church and God just like that. Just because it's cheap. Just because, you know, it's not getting in my way. I didn't really prioritize it. I can do it right now because I have the time. I have the funds to do it. Believe it or not, a lot of people act that way when it comes to Jesus Christ. When it comes to church. When Thomas didn't make it on the first day, I believe the issue was that he never made it a priority in his life. Thomas never bothered putting it on his proverbial calendar. He never bothered to make it his priority to meet with Jesus. You see, what he ended up saying was, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas, it cost Thomas a lot. It cost him a lot. His faithlessness caused him to not prioritize Christ's resurrection. And I fear that even Christians today have this issue where we don't prioritize what Jesus Christ has done for us. It shocks me how much Christians don't make it a priority to attend church. It really shocks me to see how much Christians would rather do their own business than the Father's business. There's a, there's a lot of times where I'm shocked with the way how I think sometimes when I don't prioritize Jesus Christ. It shocks me how there are more, there's more willingness to spend on myself than to spend on things that would build up the church. When we go flyering, sure enough, the heathen are way better to do their job than us. Sure enough, when we went flyering, many times over, I saw, I saw J-Dub tracks. Every single door, without fail. And how did they do it? Sure enough, when we went out flyering for the John 3.16, for Understand John 3.16, the J-Dubs were there. I got to talk to one. When you walk, when you go through a street in Surrey, you're sure to see a temple. They're beautiful. They're big. They have so much acreage. The heathen have done a way better job than we Christians have. We as Christians have failed to prioritize Jesus Christ, the one who saved us. And the heathen who follow a false gospel are better at worshiping their idolatry than we to our true living God who saved us. You know the facts. Christians sometimes... As we go looking for a house, we make sure that there's electricity. We make sure that there's running water. We make sure that there's a good hospital maybe nearby. We make sure that there's good Wi-Fi. But we don't make sure that there's a good Bible preaching church in the area that we can attend. 
Why is it that we've settled for mediocrity as Christians today in this modern day and age where we don't keep a priority on Jesus Christ, where Christ is no longer the first anymore? What has happened? What did God, did God not do enough for us? Did he not love us enough? What, what is our issue? What if God never prioritized us? Thomas finally learned to prioritize Jesus Christ. He understood that what Christ had done for him made him also a debtor, just like for Paul. I think that when, Paul, when Thomas finally gave his life, when he was finally willing to cross miles and miles in a time where there was no planes, when there were no cars, I think Thomas was willing to prioritize Jesus Christ in the end. And I think that's the reason why that world back then got changed and turned upside down. And I think it can be done today as well. I think that when Christians would prioritize Jesus Christ, make him the first thing in their life, when church attendance becomes the first thing that you will do, I think that will become a game changer. When serving the Lord with all your heart and all, with, and all your might becomes a priority, I think then this world would change. Anyone who appreciates a gift from someone always has the feeling to give back. I think it's time to give back. I think it's time to give back to Christ. Back in high school, we had a math teacher. And this math teacher, he was from the area of France. It's called Marseille. I don't know if you know of it, but Marseille, the French people that come from Marseille are known as some of the roughest Frenchmen. Okay? And in fact, the anthem of France is called the Marseilleurs. It comes from there. And he, there was a thing that he would do every, uh, every time class would start. He would go from student to student to student to check if they did their homework. And there were obviously students that never did their homework. He came up with a nickname, and he would call them tourists. And this really stuck with me. One day somebody asked him, why do you call them tourists? And what he answered really stuck with me, and I will never forget it. He said, a tourist is someone who just comes for a visit. They don't really contribute to anything. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be found useless in my life. I really don't. I, find myself as a debtor to Jesus Christ. Everything he did for you, everything he did for me, I find myself as a debtor. I can't not make him my priority. He did everything for me. And the day that I find myself useless, I don't know, I just hope he takes me to heaven that day. What if you valued Christ the, day the, the way the apostles did? What if you valued Christ the way the disciples did? Not the first, but the second Sunday. What if you valued Jesus Christ the way Thomas valued Christ when he called him my Lord and my God? Prioritize Jesus as if he was really your king. 
Genuine faith is unstoppable, but genuine faith has to have a basis. Let's not be doubting Christians. Let's pray.